Welcome to Alumni Audio Lab. This is the episode number 11. Alumni Audio Lab is a podcast from the OEAD, which is the Austrian Agency for International Mobility and Cooperation in Education, Science and Research. My name is Doris Bauer and I talk with alumni who have studied or done research in Austria within different scholarship programs and they work in many different disciplines now and do research. We talk about their life, their research, their background and sometimes also about current events. My guest today is Professor Gibson Stephen Nyanhongo. He is originally from Zimbabwe in the south of Africa. Gibson is a biotechnologist. He is conducting research at the Department for Agrobiotechnology of the University of Natural Resources and Life Sciences in Vienna. He started his studies in Cuba, then he continued in Zimbabwe. And I think in 2000, he came to Austria, to Graz. Yes. Yes, as a North-South Dialogue scholarship holder. And first he came here for his doctorate studies. And then he did his habilitation also at the University of Graz. Yes. Gibson, thank you very much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's also quite a big honor to be here. First of all, did you have any key experiences which led you to decide to become a biotechnologist? That's quite an interesting question. I think in general I can say I took a decision to be a scientist as early as in the primary school. Yeah, this was because my teacher, when they introduced to me and said someone, water is hydrogen and oxygen, then to me that activated something in me that how is it possible that hydrogen and oxygen form water? To me, it became something like curiosity from there. So I, I decided I would want to know how these things bind together <laughs> to form water. <laughs> yeah. So it was from this time, really, I think, Something kicked in me that this was something I was interested in. Was your teacher able to to tell you how oxygen and hydrogen bind together? I think even though I tried to ask, at this level she could not really explain to me how these things would bind together that I would understand. But however, what is important from that is that I was very, very keen in any science subjects. So um, until someone told me about viruses, they are living outside, they are living in the body, but when they are outside, they are dead. And to me it was, how is it possible that something that is outside is living, then it enters in your body and it's now living? This to me again added even more curiosity wanting to pursue science. So it was more like, how do these things, or how are these things made up? What are they made up of? That was my interest. Have you been to primary school in Zimbabwe or already yes. in Cuba? In Zimbabwe. in Zimbabwe. Okay. I did all my primary school and secondary school in Zimbabwe. Okay, so then let's go this step further to Cuba, which is very interesting how you came to Cuba, especially in the time of the late 80s, which must have been a very fascinating time there with the end of communism in the Eastern yeah. Europe world. 
how did you end up in Cuba and how was it there? <laughs> it's a long history, but the, sh the long and short of it is that after my high school, my parents could not afford me to go to the university. So, but then somehow the headmaster of the school where I had done my, my secondary school held me out. I got a teaching post. This was sort of a stepping stone that I would use to save money and go back to school. But during this period when I was waiting, then there came up this scholarship from the government, which was uh, taking students to Cuba. Because if I wanted to go to the university, I was supposed to do pre-university, which is Form 6, Form 5, Form 6 in Zimbabwe. But for that, I didn't have the money. And this is why I'd taken the decision to work and then do go back to school. But during this period, then came the scholarship. And then that's how I went to Cuba. And this was a fully financed scholarship yes, for Cuba? Yes, it was funded by, by my government. And everything, they prepared everything. We went there. They were giving us a stipend during our stay in Cuba. And why Zimbabwe and Cuba? Is this, are there somehow, is there a relationship? I think because during this block, for us to gain our independence, which is 1981, we had been assisted by the socialist countries, including Cuba. So this was after our independence. Therefore, they also said, we should help you start or build your economies educate your people, and this was, I think, part of the package or assistance from these countries. And this is why there was this agreement with, with the government of Cuba that we train there as skills development, let's say, program for the country. This was all also already biotechnology uh, in no. Cuba? In Cuba, I did biological sciences, mm -hmm. more general, And it was more oriented towards teaching. So this is another aspect that I was supposed to be a teacher, a high school, school teacher. But then when I came back to Zimbabwe, while I was in Cuba again, as you might be aware, as I have already said it before, I really wanted to know, understand more about science. So even when I went to Cuba under this program, to me it was a stepping stone. It was the beginning of my education career. So I went to Cuba because I couldn't go back direct to the university from Zimbabwe because of the problem I had. So this one was a longer way, but <laughs> still I took it in this case that it was the best opportunity for me if I wanted to proceed with my education. So I went to Cuba. Soon after coming, I only worked one year. Then I left, went back to the university and then proceeded. After um, my one year at the university, then lucky enough, there was a scholarship uh, funded by the Netherlands government, and this led me to do my master's. In Zimbabwe? In, or in, the in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe. The, I was registered in Zimbabwe, but then we, in our master's program, there is one year taught course, then there is one year research. So the one year research is the one when I came to Austria for the first time.
How were your studies back in Zimbabwe for... This was all already science and, and research. Yeah. How was the the conditions I, back then for a subject where you need... I imagine a lot of lab equipment and stuff yeah. like that. Was was it well equipped in Zimbabwe, the university? Yeah. Our university really... We had also the latest equipment, actually. And... Some of the people would be surprised in Graz when, when I came here in Graz. And, of course, as someone knew, they would introduce me even to the most basic thing, maybe hoping that or thinking that I didn't know anything about it. But they were surprised then when I showed them, okay, we have HPLC like this one. <laughs> 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 But, yeah, our lab, I could say, for our masters, it was well-equipped up to standards, up to the standard. Only the problem that we have is that in our country we don't have scholarships for postgraduate, especially in sciences. In other fields, yes, it was maybe it's a bit cheaper, but in sciences we mostly rely on international scholarships. And, and when did you came to Graz? In, in 2000, I guess. 2000. That is, that is, yeah. mm -hmm. For the doctoral studies. Well, for the doctoral studies now, this was for first for the research, for mm -hmm. the, my master's. Then after completing my master's, then I came in 2002 for my PhD. right? And then in 2006, I finished my PhD. And was the PhD already about enzymes? Yes. Okay, then <laughs> then we will switch because there we have to start with the basics. You're, yeah. As I said, you're conducting research on enzymes. And I went through your the list of your research and it said things like fertilizer coating, wood coating, waste streams, hydrogels, paper processing, cotton bleaching systems and so on. This sounds to me like enzymes have a quite a huge range of applications. So first of all, what is an enzyme or what are enzymes? Yeah, in simple terms, <laughs> very simple, enzymes, if we understand from chemistry, also from en in biological systems, when you eat your food, we say you get energy. So that what converts what is in your food so that you get the energy are enzymes. Are enzymes the same as protein? That's exactly. From a structural point, enzymes are protein in nature. They are made in a special way. And in our body, can you imagine that, for example, just one cell has more than 1,000 different enzymes. So each one catalyzing a different reaction. That's very important. There are catalyzers. How yeah. are they catalyzing? The catalyzing, this is what I'm saying, that they convert certain substrates into products. And even then, we look at the processes we are growing up, It means we have to synthesize, our body has to synthesize a lot of things, new things, so that you grow up, cells multiply. The same thing, if you eat food, it has to be somehow processed so that you take the nutrients out of it. So enzymes, in other words, they convert substrates into products. It can be synthesizing, it can be also degrading or making simpler products out of it. So there are two basic processes, let's say, mm -hmm. synthesis and also biodegradation. Or so, 
So building bigger structures or building smaller structures? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We say building not in the small structure, we okay. are sort of breaking down. Breaking down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because you can imagine that if you are if you are growing up, yes, and at certain point even determining it at certain point if it is too hot, if it is too cold. There are, I would say, in my life, when I look at a human being or even a plant, any living organisms, I see enzymes at work. <laughs> <laughs> you see everywhere enzymes at work. <laughs> I see enzymes at work because whatever is happening in a living organism mm -hmm. is catalyzed by an enzyme. So, to me, that's so, so I view. So, would you say they are the most fundamental parts of a living? No, because Life? otherwise I'll end up into a fight with other people. <laughs> other other scientists? <laughs> yes, because there are also people who, from molecular biology, genetics, for example, we know that the enzymes are synthesized or are made because they are transcribed from the genes. Yeah? So, who is who? Is who? who is the first and who is the second? They are, uh, I don't want to go there, but what I know is that Enzymes make things happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> genes are there, but enzymes are yeah. needed to genes make things happen. Genes store this information, and then the information is then, or oh, it is cobbed into the enzymes, right? And then the enzymes do the work. Mm -hmm. So, vice versa, even the genes themselves are also synthesized by the enzymes. So it's, it's it's like the chicken and the egg. What was first and what is more important? <laughs> exactly. So they are, for me, they are equally important. When were enzymes discovered or invented? Are they discovered or invented? Uh, discovered, let's say. That was a long, long, long time ago because we, we, they were even used before people knew because beer, for example, it, it has been brewed for, uh, uh, for the fermentation centuries. process. Yeah, but people didn't even know what was really causing this. But during even meat, I know that people were mixing meat with the papaya juice, whatever. So they even applied the technology, but they didn't know it. Even my own grandfathers, they brew really nice beer. And they really knew the process. If I do this, one, two, three, I'll get beer. But they didn't understand what that it means. Or it, they didn't conceptualize, let's say. Because understanding, they understood the process. <laughs> we, we gave name to the process. They didn't give them, maybe, let's say it this way. In Austria, I think it's especially important that enzymes are used to make beer or are needed to make beer. <laughs> as, as you know, we have a yeah, yeah. culture of yeah. beer drinking. Why are you especially fascinated by enzymes? What is it? As I've told you, when I see any living organism, What I see are enzymes at work. And what is more even fascinating about the enzymes, we have not yet really discovered what really enzymes can do for us. They can do quite a lot. As you have seen from my work, I'm working with pulp and pepper. I work in biomedical field. I'm, I'm working in almost every field where possible, but where we need reactions or conversion of certain subsets to certain products. So enzymes, for me, are a tool that we can use to transform our lives. Especially now that we, we are talking much about 
the problems associated with using toxic chemicals, the industry, things like this. So enzymes are emerging as a bio and environmentally friendly process that you can use in industry. So for me, it is understanding the enzymes. We are still discovering new enzymes. And also now because of molecular biotechnology, we are also able to tune the enzymes so that they do what we really want them to do. Right? So there is a vast of opportunities there. And then there are the existing ones. We are still starting to apply them. And we are still t- trying to understand how we can apply them. So I think if it was possible, we might ask God, kindly ask God to have extend the day to more than 24 hours. <laughs> Can you give us now one concrete example of your work, what you are doing with these enzymes and yeah. what comes out at the end? For example, now I can talk to you about um, hydrogels in biomedical field and more specifically in wound dressings. So you have bandages, the cotton ones, the whatever, so many of different types of them. So now enzymes have started to be used, uh, they started in around 1980s to be used for the synthesis or those were the first trials. And the enzymes are nice in the sense that if you use enzymes, this toxicity issue is more or less avoided. Because when you use chemicals, you are using toxic chemicals to catalyze the reactions because when you are synthesizing a hydrogel, you are making big polymers. And these big polymers, you can only make them by joining small molecules. That, in chemistry, we use catalysts. In biotechnology, we use enzymes. So enzymes are very nice in the sense that you can even specifically design a polymer, a hydrogel. In this case, I'm talking of uh, biomedical hydrogel, wound dressings. What is a polymer? Polymer is simply a long chain of molecules joined together. Mm-hmm. So they, you join one, two, three, four molecules, then you get a long, 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 long chain. So all, they, all the same molecules? or It could be the same molecules, it could be different molecules, but at the end of the day is a larger polymer made up of simple molecules which are joined together. And these, we join them using enzymes, and there are enzymes specifically, as I told you, there are so many different types of enzymes. So we have... and. Different organisms, depending on where they are or where they are coming from and what they are able to do, therefore have different enzymes with different specificity or ability to synthesize different compounds. And this is where it is becoming or it becomes interesting because you can choose the enzymes depending on what you want to synthesize. So now I'm talking about the hydrogels. The good thing about using enzyme again, these days, even for some people, when we are talking of tissue engineering, if someone has a big wound and you want to feel this wound, so in this case, we have techniques like spraying in to feel really the structure of the wound. And this you can do it by spraying, by injecting if it is deep down. So if that is the case, you can really make a polymer that takes the shape of the wound. 
And in the wound, you can even in the polymer, you can put cells that help the wound heal fast. Mm-hmm. Right? So these hydrogels are very important in the sense that we can use them to really fill the space. And as the wound is healing, we can design also the hydrogel in such a way that it is slowly removed by the enzymes in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can. It's a question of engineering, a question of designing, and a question of applying the enzyme and understanding. Okay, the wound needs one month to heal. Mm-hmm. So how should I design the hydrogel so that in this one month it's slowly degrading, and the cells which I have put in or the cells of the body are filling up this space? Then you have your wound healed, covered. So the hydrogel will help us do that. And this cannot be done by bandages from the old school. So this is really one of the most fascinating era of biotechnology, especially applied biomedical science, because we have this tissue engineering, which can be done in hydrogels and deliver cells, even not only cells, drugs. You can deliver growth hormones, wound healing helping promoting chemicals inside. They are fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that's really fascinating. I don't know how you see it. Yeah, because you can imagine if someone has really a big wound or someone has been bent over the whole body. And these bent wounds are better covered in hydrogels because hydrogels, they give the cooling effect because after a bent wound, it's very hot. But with this hydrogel, then it is cooled down and very comfortable for the patient. Even when you're removing it, it doesn't stick. So you can easily remove it. <laughs> we are avoiding that with hydrogels. It's really one of the most important area for me, I think, where biotechnology is really making a big difference. Are these hydrogels already for the public in use or just in hospitals? I think they are there, but I think they're still a bit maybe expensive. But they are already there on the market. There are many of them, different types of them. But I think now the focus of hydrogel engineering is more a hydrogel that does not only cover the wound, but a hydrogel that helps the wound to heal. This is no, now a focus or emphasis is in this direction because the basic concept that a hydrogel, this is already on the market, but to make it a functional hydrogel is the challenge now. Is this, I've read, are these smart hydrogels? Is this the thing or this, is this something else? Exactly. This is when they call smart is because they have something inside. Okay, something so that they somehow are the wound, intelligent. Yeah, they communicate with the wound. They help the wound healing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a cover anymore. No. Are you working with the medical sector um, together to, yes. to develop this? We, we work with normally in our op, all our projects are more like interdisciplinary and also internationally. So we have of course national projects from Austria, but we also have EU projects. We collaborate with many partners in Europe or across the board. And at one point, we had a project which had about 26 partners in Europe. 
So 26 different institutions trying to solve a problem. I had the question, when could you say you work on one enzyme is finished? But I think you, you, it is never finished. It sounds like it is never finished. <laughs> no, 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 no. It will never finish. I think most of the people, we have a certain focus area, which enzymes you mostly look at. For example, me, I look at enzymes which do mostly, I like seeing things fight. So, <laughs> in my view, what I do is I have my enzymes, which are known as oxidoreductases. Don't worry about that. But the key issue about these enzymes is that they steal electrons from stable molecules, right? And when they steal molecules, this other molecule becomes unstable. unstable. It wants to react with something. So, this way... I trick the molecule to react with another mm -hmm. molecule. So that's mostly my focus. So I make create radicals and the radicals cross-react. Mm -hmm. So my enzymes go as far as stealing electrons, making these guys unstable, and then the guys, guys can come together. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you see what happens if they come together. I, yes, and my job then is to control, to try and control this coming together so that I make a defined structure, right? That is where the challenge comes. Can you remember a situation where you got really weird structures? Every Or? day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Because uh, we want to solve a problem. And most of the time, what we get is not going in the direction that we thought we would go. So you can imagine if it was so easy... We could have solved all the problems long time Years ago. ago huh? Yeah. But this is the exciting part of the science. Because when you are trying to solve this problem, you realize it is doesn't work it doesn't work this way. But then to us, anything that is happens, there's no correct or negative answer. To us, whatever we see in science, it's an opportunity for something else. So keeping that in mind, okay, I wanted to synthesize this. Ah, but I got this. But this can work for this. So it leads us. <laughs> no mistakes. <laughs> no mistakes. So they are all are positive answers. And no is a good answer as well to us. It gives us, drives us in another direction. It's fascinating this way because most of the thing, this exactly what, if you find what you expected, you don't learn. But if you... You get something different from what you wanted to get. Then that's when you start really thinking. And then that's when things started really getting interesting. So <laughs> At least to us. We are not frustrated. <laughs> And enzymes challenging you every day. That's, <laughs> In a that's positive a, way. <laughs> that's the life I live. That they challenge me. And I challenge them. Yes. And they challenge me. So it's, 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 it's like that. So the other parts of your work, you're quite an active when it comes to reviewing for journals, for international scientific journals. I've read and you're also a member of an editorial board of peer-reviewed journals. What makes this part of work important to you? Always, actually, the science is about knowing what other people are doing. And science is about solving new problems. Science is building on the experience of others. So... If you are a scientist, the most important thing, and if you are in research, the most important thing is you don't want to repeat what other people have done. 
And you also, when you do your research, when you read other people's experience, you can be able to say, okay, with my research, at what level am I? Internationally, where do I fit? Who are the other groups who are doing similar work? And doing, maybe we can say, competitors. But in other words, for us it will be, okay, it's a competition, of course, if you want to produce products, because science is a big business. <laughs> so you want to be the first to produce a product. But also you learn a lot from the others. I'm sure you understand we have a lot of conferences, we review this. Yes, in reviewing, really it's an important task because most of the reviews that you get is the current state-of-the-art research. So it keeps you really up to date with what is going on. And you even find opportunities. Because when you read someone's work, then you, okay, an idea comes straight. This is how we, we live as scientists. Was there ever the situation that you thought, oh no, I had this idea, but he was first or something like that? Many times. Yes, really? <laughs> Many times. <laughs> <laughs> And when we were almost getting there to produce a product, someone already had a product. So it's, it's, a, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game. So That's why at times people say scientists at times are not really, we are not friendly. Or we think more about science, we don't care about other things. Because I think in our life, or in our small world, we are in a hurry. We are, we, we are behind time. So to us, the eight hours is not enough. Because if you are really consumed in science, there is so much to do. <laughs> are, are all these journals you are reviewing for... Influential in this case, are they all from Europe, US, or are they yeah. from Africa as well, or from I do Asia? From, I do from Africa as well, I do from also Asia, but mostly I think they are USA or Canada and Europe, mostly the contributions. But also, I have a special role in Africa because I'm African. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also want to really get uh, really more involved in what is going on in Africa, and I do uh, review a lot. And what, what is going on in Africa on your field of research? I think in Africa there is good science that is happening, a lot of it, but just in very few countries. I can't really comment on how the level of science is in Africa, but I think I see some good work coming out, but I think they need to invest more in science and make it really a business issue. Look at it as a business issue. I think this is maybe what is lacking. How do, can we transform theory into a product? And how do we make our own companies from this science? Because some of the science is well established. It's simply adapting it to our environment and solving our unique problems and or exploiting our res unique resources. So I think we have a very big good chance to do that. And uh, it all is a question of the government because I was in Botswana and I have always maintained this. If you want to develop and 
have your own products, develop your own economy, you have to invest in science. And investing in science, we have to understand it. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means, to me, science, school science, understanding science, theory and whatever. This, we have been doing it for centuries in Africa. What we need to do is look around our problems. We are very good at diagnosing problems, but we are not good at solving, solving the problem. Them. This is where, for me, because solving them demands more, demands a lot of investment. And when even you are so trying to solve it, you can even put one million euro and still discover that you are in the wrong direction. That's science. And Europe has learned it that way. The USA, Japan know that very well. So they are prepared to put millions, even if nothing comes out of it, but they've learned a lesson. That is the most important thing. As I said, there is no negative answer, there is no positive answer. We learn in the process. But this is, I think, what I think Africa needs to do. But we need to prioritize. Our risks are even less because we know where the science has advanced and we know where our problems are and the resources that we have. And we can easily adapt already established science to solve our problems. To me, it's easier for us now. Just the government has to be convinced. Was this also part of your work? You already said it. You've been to Botswana. You've been at the University of Botswana involved in setting up a new department for yeah, biological yes. sciences and biotechnology. What was there the biggest challenge you faced? And were you able to somehow get the government on board or establish structures which fit the needs you just said? Yeah, I think, yeah, I th it's, to me, I would say Botswana is one of the best country going in the right direction. I think the government is, is really knows where it wants to go and knows what to do. And of course, this was a new university or this is a very new university. And we are starting to put up everything, establishing departments, buying laboratory equipment. And it is quite an ambitious project where we have engineering department, we have science department, and these are really, really, really expensive departments yeah. to establish. So to me, yes, things might have seemed to be going slow, but I think the most important thing is that they are in the right direction. It's unfortunately because I had to come back because of my family. But uh, I think to me, Botswana and the University of Botswana, they really have a good chance to solve problems unique to Botswana or unique to Africa. I really am convinced they will get there. To me, I can't say there was challenges because we were establishing our department and we did it. Of course, things get slowly because this is a new university with all nothing. Everything has to be bought. Many power has to be trained, hired. So it's quite a mammoth task somehow. So to me, I think they are in the right direction. 
you've already said it and you wrote it at the OERD website that you're involved in a number of collaborative research activities mm -hmm. and also with former OERD's, OEAD scholarship holders yeah. and other international students. What kind of impact did your fellowship abroad have on your international collaborations? I regard myself as a very lucky person because I think I collaborate with almost people from all the continents. Which is Fred Australia and Japan. Uh, and yes. <laughs> Yeah. I have collaborated in Japan, Australia, USA, Canada, Europe, Africa, and I'm still building on because I really want the idea of science is sharing knowledge, experiences, and that's quite fascinating and I enjoy it. I'm happy so far with my collaborations. We are getting good results. We are equipping each other, sharing good experiences, what science is all about. According to UCV, you speak Spanish with full professional proficiency. <laughs> Zimbabwe has 16 official languages. Spanish is not one of them. Have you learned Spanish before you uh, you went to Cuba? Or no, how no. did you get so so high skills in Spanish? Actually, I wish I had this same force in in here in Austria. Do you speak in, German? Yeah, yes. But in Cuba Maybe it was also age. I went there when I was around 18, 19, somewhere there. And in Cuba, they speak Spanish. You cannot... Just Spanish. Yeah. yeah. So you cannot communicate in any other language most of the time. And also it was like that my studies were in Spanish, right? There was no way out. I had to learn Spanish. And the even funny part of it... When we get there, the first subject was Marxist-Leninist philosophy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Philosophy. And first is you don't understand the word. You have to understand the, the, the word. And then it's a phrase or a sentence. It's a philosophical sentence. You have to understand what the sentence means. So that was enough. <laughs> and there was... <laughs> someone waiting with a red card. If you fail, you go back to your country. So there was no way out. <laughs> But you did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to. <laughs> It's not only me. We had quite a number of Zimbabweans there so yeah. and other foreigners. So it was quite a good experience somehow. It forced me to learn Spanish very fast. And unfortunately... Even after staying so long in Austria, my German is very poor. I needed that push. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's much easier nowadays or in Austria to because, get through with English. So. Yeah, because even at the university, all the people I was working with here in Austria, in fact, they wanted to learn English from me. Mm. So at the end of the day, I never did any effort, put any effort. To, to, to learn German. Because, they, okay, they want to talk. Apart from talking, they want me to correct what they have written. So I become an English teacher somehow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gibson. Finally, what are your plans for the future? Enjoying science. Enjoying science. Enjoying enzymes. Discovering more enzymes. More enzymes. How many And are out there to discover? I, I don't know how many there are, but there are, I, what I know is that There are so many surprising 
waiting to be discovered. So there's so much joy still coming my way. Of course, applying the enzyme is something else. It's very big, a big thing to me. I'm more actually inclined in application of the enzymes, and I enjoy the fun that comes of it. When I have my good, nice idea, I think it works, and I get surprises all the time. That's part of the life, and I enjoy it every day. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> so it's a, it's a funny life, and never, never bored. It's about experiencing and enjoying science. That's my future. That's perfect last words. <laughs> Gibson, I thank you very much for being my guest here on Alumni Audio Lab and for introducing our listeners and to me also the microbial world and the enzymes. <laughs> I wish you all the best for the future and many exciting discoveries and applications. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Alumni Audio Lab.